right, y'all. Hey, what's going on out there? How y'all doing today? Welcome to Let's Talk on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Mr. Talk in the House. That's right, man. It's the first Monday of the new year, first Monday of 2016. Aren't you glad you made it? <laughs> I'm glad you made it. I am glad I made it. Heck, what a wonderful, 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 wonderful opening song, man. I'm telling you, it just got that nice little groove to it. How y'all doing out there? I hope everybody's having a wonderful day. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Man, we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. Oh, do we? But we'll get to that in a moment. All right, welcome to Let's Talk on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Mr. Talk. And if you want to be a part of the show today, there's all kind of ways you can do it. And um, I want you to do it, okay? The first and easiest way is call me. That's all you got to do, call me. 347-838-8622. Hey, you want to talk? Press the number one on the keypad. Bam. You right here in the conversation, live. All right, uh, then there's the chat room, www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Mr. Talk. Uh, you can have conversations in there as well. And then you can always shoot me an email anytime during the show and after the show, uh, ericletstalk at gmail.com. That's ericlets, L-E-T-S, talk at gmail.com. Those are all the ways you can participate in the show today, and I look forward to hearing from each and every one of you because I like that. <laughs> I like to hear what you have to say on you, what you have on your mind. <laughs> well, man, I tell you, we got a song of the day for you. Um, yeah, nice little cut. Um, we also we got a quarter day. You got a quote of the day. I'm, I'm going to give y'all a quote of the day. Yeah, I'm going to give y'all a quote today. You know it's a special day when I'm giving out quotes. <laughs> yes, sir, buddy. So anyway, so those are some of the things that will be coming up, along with um, the different stories and things I'll be bringing to your attention. And hopefully we'll have some uh, very good dialogue about each and every one of them. Yeah. Um, let's see. So, man, what's going on? What's going on with our young people, huh? That dang on Jalen Smith, uh, boy, I tell you, Jalen, Jaden, whatever his name is, now he's walking around here in skirts. Um, man, I tell you, <laughs> isn't boy? I tell you, it, it does just get stranger by the moment. Yes, it does, man. Golly, nah, that's man. Anyway, I'm not gonna get stuck on that. Um, you know, I, I here's something that I um I, I noticed. You know, everybody knows that marijuana, smoking marijuana, is a federal offense. That's right, it's a federal offense. But yet, there are states that selling it, and the federal government isn't doing anything about it. Ever, are you aware that marijuana is classified as a what class one drug? Is it class one? Let me make sure here. And, and schedule one, yeah, it's classified as a schedule one drug. And schedule one, schedule one drugs say substances or chemicals are defined as drugs with no currently accepted medical use 
and a high potential for abuse. Schedule 1 drugs are the most dangerous drugs of all the drug schedules with potentially severe psychological and physical dependence. Now, <laughs> now y'all want to know some examples of some other Schedule 1 drugs? Heroin, um, lysic acid, dethylamate, basically LSD. Um, let's see, 3, 4, what, ecstasy, basically ecstasy. That's a class 1. Methacolone and peyote. And we know on, uh, well, a lot of people may not know, but um, on Indian reservations, they smoke peyote. Okay? Now, <laughs> where does marijuana fit into this? I, I have no idea. I, I You know, and if it is a uh, Schedule One drug, why are you allowing for it to be sold? You know, why? Isn't that crazy? Schedule four drugs um, are substances or chemicals that are defined as drugs with a low potential for abuse and low risk of dependence. Some examples of Schedule four drugs are Xanax, Sona, Darvan, Daraset, Valium, Activan, Talwin, Ambien, Tremadol. Now, <laughs> I don't know who lied to these folk who made up this stuff, but... um. <clears throat> Darvacet, Xanax, Ambien, Valium. If you can't, boy, I tell you, I don't know how you can't get hooked on those. You take enough of them. You know, so it, it just makes you wonder. It's all about the green, baby. It's all about the green. Now, you got a drug at the top of the list here, included in the top of the list, marijuana, but you're allowing it to be sold. But if you catch somebody on the street selling it, you're going to try and put them behind bars. Is that not hypocrisy of, or what? Huh? <laughs> Just a little something I thought I'd read to you to make it go, hmm, na-na-na-na. <laughs> yeah, interesting. I, I just thought I'd throw that out there. Um, so what are some of the things we're going to be talking about today? Uh, Morehouse University says no to cross-dressing students. Um, I think that's a good thing. Um, Ethan Cock, Couch, y'all know who the, the little teenager that killed four people then ended up walking away with 10 years probation because of a, um, what was the, the defense, a fluency defense, basically saying his family was too rich for him to know right and wrong. Yeah, well, if you're unaware, there was some video that showed up where he was partying and drinking and all that good stuff. And, you know, they issued a warrant for him, and he ran to Mexico. <laughs> well, now his attorneys have come up with another little scheme to keep him from coming back to the United States if they can make it fly in Mexico. We're going to talk a little bit about that as well. Um, ten states, man, there's ten states out there. Ten states, S-T-A-T-E-S, that are the worst places for black folk to live. Top ten. There's top ten. There's ten. <laughs> well, you're going to be surprised at some of the names on some of the states on this list. And, uh, you know, they got some stats to go back it up. So we're going to 
I'll go into that a little bit as well. And then um, we got this thing going on out there in Oregon with these ranchers. Uh, well, this father and son was ordered to go back to prison for another four years after they had served um, sentences um, for arson. <laughs> for supposedly burning federal land. Um, of course, y'all remember the case with the Bundys, the Bundy group uh, crew out there. So they have taken over this this reserve, and um, they got a standoff going on over there as well. And uh, so we gonna you gonna discuss that a little bit. And GOP, y'all, yeah, Republican Congress, they up to their old things. They they gonna send a bill to the pres to the president to have him repeal the Affordable Care Act. You know, for those that don't know, it's Obamacare. You know why? Why even go there? You know he gonna veto it. But you know, oh, New Year, same old tricks. Yeah, same old tricks. But anyway, those are some of the things we're gonna be talking about today. And uh, I hope you're ready, man, because. I mean, we got two hours and some change to talk about all this stuff, so I, I'm looking real forward to doing it. All right, so I told you I was going to give you a quarter of the day, and uh, I have two, um, but I'm going to give you this one, okay? And here it is. Your life will get better when you realize it's better to be alone than to chase people who don't really care about you. <laughs> yeah, buddy. And I got one more. Yeah, y'all get special two two quotes today. If you constantly find yourself trying to prove your worth to someone, you've already forgotten your value. So those are your two quotes of the day. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed them. All right, so time for the song of the day. Hey, we just move along nice and easy and chilling. So, you know, we're going we gonna to have a great show today, all right? So, without further ado, here's your song of the day by a young man named Joey Alexander. Yeah, and uh, we'll talk to y'all in a few. Enjoy your song of the day.
you know? Um, <laughs> you know, and here's some of the, what, the, the regulations um, according to the retire policy. Um, it is our expectation that students who select Morehouse do so because of the college's outstanding legacy of producing leaders on the campus and at college-sponsored events and activities. Students at Morehouse College will be expected to dress neatly and appropriately at all times. Students who choose not to abide by this policy will be denied admission into class and various functions and services of the college if their manner of attire is inappropriate. Examples of inappropriate attire or or appearance include but are not limited to no caps, no do-rags and or hoods in classrooms, the cafeteria on other indoor venues, um, this policy item does not apply to headgear considered as part of a religious or cultural dress. Number two, sunglasses or shades are not to be worn in class or at formal programs unless medical documentation is provided to support use. Number three, decorative orthodontic appliances, i.e. grills, which is just raggedy, be they permanent or removable, shall not be worn on the campus or at college-sponsored events. For jeans at major programs such as opening convocation, commencement, Founders Day, and all other programs dictating professional, business, casual attire, semi-formal, or formal attire. Five, clothing with derogatory offense and or lewd messages, either in words or pictures. Six, top and bottom coverings should be should be worn at all times. No bare feet in public venues. Seven, no sagging. The wearing of one's pants or shorts low enough to reveal undergarments or secondary layers of clothing. Eight, Pajamas shall not be worn in public or in common areas of the college. Nine, no wearing of clothing associated with women's garb, dresses, tops, tunics, purses, pumps, etc. on the Morehouse campus or at college-sponsored events. Ten, additional dress regulations may be imposed upon students participating in certain extracurricular activities that are sponsored or organized by the college, um, e.g., athletic teams, the band, glee club, etc. And I think there's one more. Yeah, number 11. <laughs> the college reserves the right to modify this policy as deemed appropriate. All administrative faculty, students, and support staff members are asked to assist in enforcing this policy and may report, report disregard or violation to the Office of Student Conduct. All right, now, and my response to this is, thank you. Finally, somebody has stood up and said, look, enough of this nonsense, enough of it. You know, and I think if, if more colleges and even businesses would enforce things like this, I think we may be able to change a little something. You know, you be in a you go in the grocery store and you see folk walking around in pajamas. Yeah, 
in their pajamas, house shoes. Really? You out in public. You out in public. And say first impressions mean a lot. You don't know who's in there watching you. Maybe the person you coming going to see about getting a job the next day. You know? No, no. So I, I applaud Morehouse for um, doing this, especially, especially, you know, about the transgender, you know, wanting to dress or how they call it, androgyny or whatever. No, if you're a boy, you wear boy clothes. If you're a girl, you wear girl clothes. It will be appropriate, and you don't have to worry about anybody saying anything wrong, you know, wrong to you. Simple, you know. But it's a shame that you have to sit here and, and, and publish it so people can follow that. Follow, you know, the dress decently. <laughs> you know, it's just it's, it's scary. It really is that it has to come to this. And this is an all-male school, an all-male school that has to put out um, a policy such as this. You know, golly, and an all-black school, too. <laughs> Woo, all-male. Well, it's probably not as black as it used to be, but, hey, I applaud them. I'm glad it was done. Anybody's got a problem with it, oh, well. Go to... um. University of Texas somewhere. <laughs> I know I shouldn't have said that, y'all. I know, I know. I shouldn't have said that, but it's the truth. God dang it. You know, as as black folk, we have enough issues, you know, going against us as is without us showing up, you know, with grills. And if for those who don't know what grills are, you know, it's those, those gold teeth that you see with people in their mouth. You know, you use, you really see a lot of rappers. I think uh, who is that boy, Little John, and a couple of other ones. Yeah, some of them are, are removable. However, some of them go and get them permanently attached. So, and it's really disgusting looking. Little do they know it helps walk their teeth a little faster as well. But so I, I'm glad. I'm glad. I, I'm glad they did this and. Um, Hopefully they will enforce it and not just give lip service, you know. Yeah, you know, some folk would give just give lip service and be like, ah, okay, we got it in right. <laughs> All right, so that's that on Morehouse. Um, y'all remember this this kid, the 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 what's his name, Ethan Couch, the guy, the little kid. Well, he he's not little, the teenager in um. Arlington, Texas, that um, killed those four individuals, and his attorneys came up with a, a, a defense of affluence, fluency. I think that's what how you pronounce it. Yeah, A F F L U E N Z A, and uh, basically meant that his family was so rich that um, he didn't know the difference between right and wrong. Well, he knew more than that. And come to find out, man, did you know that this kid? Now, his family, they had another home. They would allow this kid to go and stay in that home by himself, by himself, with alcohol and everything. You know, it really makes you wonder about the the, the, the mental stability of the parents. 
You know, but anyway, of course, as I mentioned before, there was a video that that popped up um, of him drinking, which he wasn't supposed to be doing any of that. And so Tarrant County decided to offer, I mean, to um, go ahead and and, um, issue a warrant for his arrest. Well, his mother decided to take the young man and they go down to Mexico. Yeah, they go to Mexico. You know, so after a few days search, they finally locate the young man. And, you know, now they're supposed to be um, going ahead and and, um, um, deporting him back, right? Well, hold your horses. His attorneys have come up with something or another one. Now they're saying that the Mexican authorities violated his human rights which means he'd be held in a detention center and um, his his delay back to the United States for him to stand um, trial may be delayed. You know, <laughs> you know, it's really, really, oh, man, it pisses me off. I'm going to put it like that, you know. It pisses me off. Because once again, that goes to show, you know, if you have enough money, you can get you can get around anything. You can get around anything. Of course, you know they're like, well, you know, we're gonna try, but we got to let the, the Mexican authorities there have their hearing first. Now, let's be honest. If this was a black guy on probation, number one, he'd been behind bars. Okay, the twenty years they wanted the little kid to do, they, they trust me, they'll put a black guy behind bars behind this. But nope, little white kid, family has a little money, and um, he out playing the game once again. Just sad, just sad, man. But that's the, that's the world we live in. We we live in. That is that is the world that we live in. And what can we do about it? <laughs> what can we do about it? I don't know. Not much, apparently. Not much, apparently. All right, so enough on Mr. Ethan. Now, let's talk about something that's really interesting. Um, <laughs> you know, there's some states that are just worse than than others for black people to live in, right? Well, I found a list of the top ten states that's worse, that's bad for bad black people to live in, and uh, man, I tell you, some of them you would say, yeah, yeah, I knew that. However, there's others on this list that you're like, no way, and uh, yeah. So let's go on and get into that. Um, let's see. Today, seventy-one percent of homes with white heads of household are owned by their occupants. Compared to the black home ownership rate of just forty one two percent. Mississippi, the state where black residents are most likely to own their homes, has a black home ownership rate of fifty three point eight percent. This is roughly in line with the white home ownership rate of fifty three point one percent in Hawaii, the state where white residents are least likely to own their homes. Wow. Now, <laughs> oh, this is good stuff here, man. The states where disparities, 
Disparities between racial groups are most pronounced are also the areas of the United States where addressing the issue will likely be most difficult. Nationwide, nationwide, 10.8% of white Americans live in poverty. Okay? 10.8% of white Americans live in poverty, while the black poverty rate is 27%. 27%. In the majority of the 10 worst states for black Americans, the poverty rate among black residents exceeds the national black poverty rate. At the same time, in three of the 10 states, the poverty rate among white residents is actually lower in the corresponding national rate. See? Blacks are also incarcerated at a far higher rate than whites. Black men in particular disproportionately make up a large share of the U.S. prison population. We already knew that. Which, including people of any race, totals an estimated 2.2 million people. According to the American Civil Liberties Union, black Americans are 10 times more likely to be incarcerated for drug offenses than white Americans, despite the fact that both groups are equally likely to use drugs. And yeah. <laughs> Remember at the start of the show, I said marijuana was classified as a Schedule One drug? Yeah. Up there with um, LSD, ecstasy, and a couple other things. Yeah. The top of the line. Top of the line. And most blacks who go to go to prison, you know, they get caught up selling some weed or something like that. And they get sentenced. But yet, you, you got a drug that is at the top of the schedule, but you allow states to sell it. But it's against federal law. Hmm. Imagine that. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> incarceration makes it more difficult to get a job and often leads to a range of other negative outcomes. For example, it is one the leading drivers of disenfranchisement. The annual incarceration, the annual incarceration rate in all but one of the ten worst states for Black Americans exceeds two thousand per. 100,000 African-American residents. In Wisconsin, the rate for black residents is nearly double this rate. For white residents in these states, the incarceration rates are well below 1,000 per 100,000 people. Now, <laughs> now, hey, those are facts right there, people. It's not like they're, they're mind-blowing um, numbers because we already know this. This that lives, you know, has has our, our ears on what's going on. Yeah, we already know this. But, you know, sometimes it's good to see the numbers to back up what you know <laughs> or what you suspect, you know. And, of course, yes, we, we, we got that going on. All right, so start from number 10 and working my way down. Here are the 10 worst states for black people to live in. Number 10. The state of Ohio. Ohio. All right. I think I got a caller that calls in from Ohio all the time. Tells how great that state is. Apparently, it's not as great as you think. Um, Percentage of residents black, 12.1%. Black ownership rate, 
3%. Black incarceration rate, 2,336,000 2, per 100,000 people. <clears throat> the black un- unemployment rate is 11.6%. Now, that's in Ohio. Ohio. Moving on. Number nine, Louisiana. Louisiana. The percentage of residents that's black, 32.1%. 32%. Black home ownership rate, 47%. Black incarceration rate, 2,749,000 per 100,000 people. Black unemployment rate, 10.3%. All right, next, and this is an interesting state. I may may, um, kind of explain why they're going after Bill Cosby. Pennsylvania. That's right, Pennsylvania. Um, Let's see. Percentage of residents are black, 6%. Black home ownership, 26%. Black incarceration rate. Wait a minute, that that can't be right. I think my papers got mixed up here. Let me go back here for a moment. Yeah, okay. All right, my bad. But the A state is Pennsylvania. (laughs) All right, here it is. Percentage of black residents is what? 11%. Black home ownership rate, 42%. Black incarceration rate. 3,269,000 per 100,000 people. Um, black unemployment rate, 11%. Seven, New Jersey. New Jersey. Um, let's see. Percentage of blacks, 12.8%, 13%. Um, black home ownership rate, 37.8%. Black incarceration rate. 1,992,000 per 100,000 people, and the black unemployment rate is 11.5%. Number six, Michigan. <laughs> We're getting them all in here, aren't they? Um, let's see. 14% residents that's black. Home ownership is 41%. Incarceration rate. 2,169,000 per 100,000 and black unemployment rate 16%. Florida. Yep, Florida made it too. Percentage of black residents 16%. Black home ownership 44%. Black incarceration rate 2,555,000 per 100,000 people. And black unemployment rate is 11%. Number four, Pennsylvania. Well, 19% of the residents are black. Black home ownership is 46%. The incarceration rate, 2,418,000 per 100,000. And the black unemployment rate is, ooh, this is low, man. It's really low, 8%. Okay. Number three, Illinois. Hey, isn't that where the president is from? <laughs> Illinois, who has a 14% um, black residency rate. Um, home ownership is 38.5%. Incarceration rate, 2,128,000 2, per 100,000 people. Black unemployment rate, 
Number two, Minnesota, where they only have 5.6% of the residents that's black. <laughs> uh, black home ownership is 23.8%. The incarceration rate is 2,321,000 2, per 100,000. And unemployment rate is 11.4%. <laughs> now, for the number one state, worst state for any black person to be living in is the state of Wisconsin. <laughs> yes, Wisconsin. Yeah, you know where the cheese heads live at. Yeah, where that little crazy sheriff be at to be on CNN all the time, talking that big noise. Yeah. Anyway. <clears throat> The percentage of residents that's black is 6.2%. Black home ownership rate is 25.8%. Now, check this out, y'all. The black incarceration rate is 4,042,000 per 100,000. And the black unemployment rate is 21%. Isn't this crazy? Um... Here's some some more information on Wisconsin. Wisconsin is the worst state in the country for black Americans. The median annual income of black households in the state is just $26,053, much lower than the median for black families nationwide and equal to just 46.5% of the median income of white Wisconsin households of $56,083. Um, let's see. Similarly, while 29.9% of white adults in Wisconsin have at least a bachelor's degree, 12.8% of black adults in the state have completed college. Wow. This is also much lower than the bachelor degree attainment rate among black adults nationwide of 19.7%. Of all the racial disparities found in Wisconsin, the unemployment gap between black and white state residents is perhaps the most troubling. With a white jobless rate of 4.4%, the state job market is relatively strong for white population. For black Wisconsin residents, however, the unemployment rate is more than five times higher at 20.8%, the highest among black populations in every other state. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that, well, I'm not going to say it's crazy, but things are getting better, right? We have to believe things are getting better, right? But the numbers tell us something totally different, y'all. The numbers are saying something totally different. Wow. This is just scary. It is. It's, 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 how can I put it? You know, reading these numbers, where's it getting better at? Where's it getting better at? You know, I I, I like to, you know, <laughs> I talk to a dear friend all the time, and we talk about the same thing. You know, it's got to get better, right? It has to get better. We just went into 2016. And all these numbers were from 2015. Why? Where is it getting better at? 
Where? Not only do we have to worry about black incarceration rates, now we have to worry about what? Death. Just being shot down, period. <laughs> you know, that 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 solves unemployment, doesn't it? I mean, this is just ridiculous. Ah, saddening. It's very saddening. I don't, I, I'm speechless. <laughs> yeah, y'all, y'all. If y'all could see me right now, I actually have tears in my eyes from reading that because that's uh, oh man, that hurt. That really did hurt me, then. That 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 really did hurt me. When is it gonna get better? When is it gonna get better? All right. I got two people who want to get in on the conversation. I'll be more than happy to let you in. That way I get my cry out of the way. Let me welcome my dear, dear sister Ngoni and the lovely Miss Lady. Welcome to the show, ladies. How are y'all doing today? Wonderful. How how are you, Eric? I'm doing wonderful. If I stop reading that that nonsense, I just got finished reading. <laughs> well, let me greet other guests. Miss Lady, how are you, Miss Lady? Oh, wonderful. I'm in route, but thank you so much, Mr. Gonia. How are you doing? Happy 2016. Oh, thank you. Well, let me just say real quick, Eric, that number one, I said I wasn't going to say anything today, but I couldn't help myself. Um <laughs> The list, I understand how, why you would feel very disappointed, but let's let's examine the values there. Okay, first of all, uh, the the numbers on home ownership just means how how many people are in debt because they don't own anything. That means how many people have mortgages and are struggling to pay them. And so, if that's the way we're going to value our quality of life, then I have a question about that. Number two, the high unemployment in um, uh, the black neighborhoods or black cities, um, yes, that's horrible, uh, but you know all the jobs have been outsourced, and you know the people in charge are going to make sure to take care of their own first. So, therefore, we have to take care of our own. We're going to have to adopt the ways like the people in the Caribbean do and start to learn entrepreneurial skills and to create our own because the jobs are not coming back. I mean, I've been saying that for a long time now, almost 10 years, when the 2007 and before the crash came, that there wasn't going to be any recovery regardless of what the lion heads on television tell us. They're not coming back. I don't care what Trump says either. They're not coming back. So we're either going to have to recreate ourselves in an entrepreneurial, working together spirit, providing the things that we need. Like Dr. John Henry Clark said, start with your underwear, okay? Those people who have uh, sewing machines, we're going to have to go back to to doing that. As long as we're looking for this uh, crowd up in D.C. to do something for us, forget it. They're looting what's left of this country, and they're going to be gone. So we, it's, it's us that we're waiting on. So those numbers will change when we decide to change them. And I'll stop there and let Miss Lady say something. Thank you for taking my call. All right. Thank you, Sister Goni. Go ahead, Miss Lady. Well, I agree, Sister Ngonia. Um, I think that the uh, unemployment rate for blacks is a lot higher than what is being stated because it doesn't include those who have stopped looking for work. Um, and who are no longer collecting unemployment, and it doesn't include people that are working that are underemployed. So you know they're 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 not really able to make it. 
Um, and I, I agree with you absolutely that the jobs are not coming back. Uh, there's an agenda that's playing out. And, Mr. Pop, when you have the U.S. Supreme Court uh, stating that, you know, they've moved toward a color blind society and therefore there's no more federal oversight with voting rights with, uh, in those uh, jurisdictions that historically excluded black voters that support unions. Um, and when you have that kind of uh, espousement on the very top, then it's, it, it's pretty much telling everybody it's okay. You know, you don't have to treat people. Uh, you don't have to uh, correctly. You don't have to hire them. You don't, you don't have to keep them employed. Uh, that's basically what, what it's saying. Um, it's always basically, about, you know, how, how something is run, any kind of business, any kind of society, you really, you know, the leader's, pretty much dictate how the rest are supposed to, you know, behave. And if they don't behave in the, in the, in the way that we didn't want them to behave, there's going to be consequences, you know, but that hasn't happened. So um, I don't see it getting any better. The only thing is, is this thing, Donia, when um, you can go to Walmart and get a package of underwear, you know, a package of five or six for $8, I don't see how... Selling underwear and selling them piece by piece is going to, the people are not going to purchase that. They're not going to buy it. That was just an example. You know, of course, I know that's not going to solve all the problems that we have. The purpose, uh, you know, I quoted Dr. John Henry Clark, and it was just an example to say that we have to do for ourselves. And we can start someplace with our underwear. Okay? Th- that's all. You know, if we wear shoes. I hear, and we you. Do... I hear you. Yeah, yeah that's all. But you know, that's a noble thought. But um, when was the last time you kids? Well, it's been a long time, but if we don't start, then I guess we'll just fade by the wayside and we'll, they'll be making statues of us like they did the so-called Indians, what we used to look like. So it's our choice. That's all I'm saying. You know, we can either stop lamenting and whining and crying and do what we can do, the best we can do, and maybe we'll make it. We may not make it even if we do the best we can do. But I don't see any I hate to be a, a, a Debbie Downer. I, I don't know. Because we've been saying the same thing now for 20 years and nothing's changed. And I, at least where, you know, where I live, I don't know about other places. It might be, they may be starting to do that. But, I mean, I just don't. Well, let me ask you this question. Haven't the circumstances changed drastically in the last 20 years? We're not going to have a choice. You see, you know, it's, it's like I heard Dry Bones say, you know, he's experienced the hurricanes before here down here in Miami where he lives at. And he said, you know, when the shock, get, the people get over the shock, then they just automatically, the human spirit starts saying, okay, all right, let's do this. Let's go down here and check on Miss Jones. Let's do See, well, you know, the shock is coming, okay? It's coming, okay? And there's going to be a point where we either choose to do what we can and or we won't make it. That's it, period. It's very simple. It's not complicated. We can talk about what we didn't do, how long ago, but the circumstances that are happening now are new. They're new. It's been a slow, it's been a decline. It's been a steady, steady decline. I have another question. Do you, you know how there have been groups that have for the good around the world, do you think that might be something that might be helpful? 
Well, it certainly wouldn't hurt, you know. Uh, that's right. That's, yeah, yeah. Certainly wouldn't hurt. I read about where they went down to Mexico and did that when they were chopping off all them people's heads over 30 or 40,000 heads. It's like some dark evil thing was moving through there, and we know that's going on in the Middle East. And you told me about how they, a group of them went over there and meditated, and I know they also went to Palestine uh, several years ago, and they dramatically reduced the violence that was going on. It didn't stop it completely, but it certainly wouldn't hurt. I, I tell you that, certainly, in my view. I'm complete. Okay. Thank okay, you. Yeah. I, I I missed the question. I'm sorry. I, I could quite understand the question. So there's a group that went somewhere and beheaded some people. Yeah, there was a drug lord in Mexico. Remember all the killing down in Mexico that was going on with the Fast and Furious and all the violence that was going on down there? They was cutting off heads. Yeah, you can read about it. I mean, it was over 30,000 or more people that were beheaded by the drug lords. And a group of meditators, and I wish I could think of his name. He's a physicist. He's out in Idaho. They have a university out there. It's Transcendental Meditation. They go around the world, and they contact people from all over the world that are meditating. And, you know, that have been for years and are scientists and they know that it does change the behavior of environments. They say our DNA is triggered by our environment, not like science has been telling us that, you know, it's not hereditary if somebody acts like they're crazy necessarily. It's more the environment. The crime that you talked about, statistics, comes from the environment of not having any hope, you know, not being able to see what next, what can we do, uh, you know, and so then we start preying on each other. So if we're going to do that as opposed to doing the right thing, then we're going to eat each other alive, and then we'll all be dead, and it'll be over. That's it. I'm finished. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. You know, <laughs> listening to that example, you know, I, you, me and you talk all the time. You know, I'm about ready to say, well, hey, we already started doing that. So, <laughs> you know, but, the, you know, meditation, hmm, that's interesting. That's going to take a whole lot of meditating and a whole lot of meditating, you know. Actually, you'd be surprised, Eric. I'll send you, I'll find that physicist uh and send that link to you, you'd be surprised at how many people around the world practice transcendental meditation. And they've scientifically proven that it definitely has an impact on your health and has an impact on your environment. Deepak Chopra and his, his, uh, um, his uh, image has been sullied by some, some people that just don't seem to like anything positive. Uh, however, I have great respect for his work. Deepak Chopra, he said, whatever environment you find yourself in, if you're not actively working on yourself, not other people, you're not actively working on yourself to raise your vibration and your frequency, you will automatically sink to the level of the environment that you live in. So either you work on yourself to maintain your, you know, focus and uh, to direct your thoughts, to balance your thoughts, feelings, and actions so that they maintain a certain frequency and vibration, or you will find yourself feeding uh, yourself from the dark wolf uh, in the environment where you live, you know, dog eat dog, find a fool, bump his head, that kind of thing, you know. And so then now you're feeding on yourself. So it, it, each person has to take personal responsibility for doing that for themselves. You can't change uh-huh. anybody else. The only thing you can do is change yourself. I'm complete. Now, I'm not going to say anything else because I promise you I wasn't going to talk today. Goodbye. Thank you for taking my call. <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> okay. 
okay. Um, you know, um, you know, it, it, when you put it that way, um, basically you say we've been. It goes back to being conditioned then, and we can do. We gonna do what what we've been conditioned to do all this time, right? Can can we put it say it like that? Well, we're conditioned, but we can do, we can change our conditioning. It's not our nature, it's our condition. So, therefore, it's just our life circumstances. It's not us, okay? Uh-huh. And that's the thing they want us to believe, that we're no good, we were born in sin, there's no hope. That's what they, the cabal, the people that are running things, want us to believe. But we're not that. That's our conditioning. We can change our conditioning, but each individual has to make the decision to do that themselves. And as we do that, and as more people do that, then our behavior will change. You know what they say, change your mind, and you know what will follow. It starts hmm. with an A. We have two more letters. <laughs> right, right. Okay, but even if that is the case, okay, say, what, a fourth of the people change their mind, uh, change the way they think, then what? Uh, uh, is, is that going to be enough? Well, some scientists like Greg Braden, who's the author of Walking Between Two Worlds, because that's what we're doing. The old world is gradually falling out, and a new one we're going to have to create. Uh, he says, he's a scientist, and uh, he says that uh, it doesn't take everybody. It just takes, a, well, what did they call that? Mr. Michigan was reminding me of the word I was looking at uh, uh, the last time I was on your show, uh, critical mass. There's a point, you know, the 100-monkey theory, okay, where they studied those monkeys in Japan and other islands that never had any contact with each other, and one monkey dropped his potato, and it got all muddy, and the monkey washed it. And then they studied, and they found that monkeys that never had any connection with each other clear across, you know, different land masses all started washing their monkeys at the same time. And the theory is that we're all connected in a morphogenic field. Each species has a connection at that level. So as we start to change our own self from the inside out, then that behavior starts to move through the, our, our connected uh, uh, morphogenetic field. So while we're, you see, but as long as we're focusing on all the bad news that they're telling us, and, I, you know, I do it too. I mean, you know, I, I, you can't help but look around and see, well, oh, my goodness, you know. Uh, but we, we have to take our power back. We have to know. And it's not wishful thinking because we have to take action. We definitely have to make things happen. We can't just feel good about it. We got to do something good about it. I understand that. But if we don't find the courage to do it, then like I said, we'll just fade away into the sunset, and then they'll somebody will be left around here making statues to show everybody what we used to look like, and then that'll be it. Okay, now I'm gone for good this time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> mm. Well. You know, there are. Yeah, that makes a whole a lot of sense. And I, I was about to say, um, there are a lot of um, predictions that say that that exactly will be the case here in the next twenty-five to fifty years. You well, know? the cabal plans on all humans being gone in the next twenty-five or fifty years. There's an article called "Why the Future Doesn't Need Humanity." That's the plan. So now, what's our plan? You know, uh, that that symbol or that image I gave you about how society structured and been society for thousands of years structured that way, where 
we're on the bottom, the peasants and the serfs and the kings on the top and all the stages in between. So, you know, that's the plan. They don't need us anymore. They have technology and everything. So, you know, they plan on getting rid of us. And, you know, it's on the Georgia Guidestones that they want to reduce the population of the earth down to 500 million. It's built, that statue's been out there for over 50 years, so I, not nothing I'm making up, okay? So they put it in our face all the time. What they hmm. plan to do, but that's their plan. What about our plan? Well, that's what we need to be focused on. What's our plan? Well, see, and, and that's the issue at hand right there. We can't even. Well, come we're the prize, and we forget that we are the prize. Woo! We, we are, the are the prize. That's what we have to understand. They don't have the spark of creativity. They don't have the ability and the capacity to love and have empathy for others. That's the reason why they can do wars, kill two million people, children, old people. That's the reason why they can come up with uh, affordable health care that has death panels on it. And then nobody believed when it was exposed, okay? Now the is coming out about it. And it's, it's really the same program that uh, was used in Nazi Germany to reduce population. It's exactly the same. I used to know the name of it, but I forgot now. But you can Google right on YouTube and put in Nazi uh, health care program, and you can listen to the uh, uh, panels that were discussing it. And everybody thought the people from LaRouche Pack was crazy when they were telling the world that this was the same package health program that Hitler instituted in Nazi Germany. But that's what it is, because that's where you are now. You're in the United Soviet States of America. With Nazis running the game, that's where we are. So hey, <laughs> we can face it, or we can just laugh and make fun of people when they say things like that. Wow, you know, and when when you put it that way, <laughs> that that goes right into the next story I wanted to talk about the um, situation down in Oregon with the land, you know, between the federal land and the farmers' land. You know, can can you say this? That is a product of, um, let's say, the Nazi Soviet. No, no, no. Those people will be branded terrorists. However, those are the that's the beginning of the people rising up. That's the beginning. I hate to say it, but that's the beginning of the pushback of the people who said, "Okay, we didn't have enough now." But they will be branded terrorists, and if they slaughter them all, their name will go down in history that they were bad people. And those young people who don't understand history, this is exactly how the first civil war started, okay? And they didn't have enough of these crooks and criminals that uh, get pharmaceutical companies to mandate shots for people and then give them immunity and no responsibility to whether it harms people. I mean, come on. There's so much evidence that these people don't care about us. And these people are saying, okay, we're done. We've, we, we've tried everything we know how to do peacefully. Now it's time for us to stand up and defend ourselves and our families. And that's what they're doing in Oregon. And more power to them. I send them positive energy and and strength and courage to go forward. We're all going to need it. And, you know, these kind of things go on for about a decade or so. They don't get done with overnight. Okay. Right. They're the first crew that stood up and said, okay, we're done. Right. And, and you, know, it's, you know, that's, that's the very interesting thing because that's actually what he said. Uh, who, Bundy. I think it was one of the Bundy brothers or children. Yeah. The, yeah. I think yes, that's what Bundy. he said. You know, uh, right. it's time for America to take the ranchers to take their their land back. You right. know, and it's not 
this, they're fighting for their land. They're fighting for the soul of this what was once a country. And, uh, you know, and all I want to say one more thing about this idea that I'm so tired of hearing people say, well, what happened to the police were supposed to serve and protect? No. The Supreme Court ruled the police have no responsibility to save anybody's life except their own. That's the Supreme Court ruling. Okay, what cops are, and they're not officers, an officer is someone that is elected. They are cops, corporate-owned policy enforcers. Cops, corporate-owned policy enforcers. Now, if a crime is in process, they're not there on the scene when it's happening. They come Uh after either view the body or kill the wrong person like they sent, sent them dogs uh, on that baby that was in the car with the man that they knew was innocent when the second stupid crew of police came up and sick the dogs and mauled the baby to death. They're being trained by Mossad. They're being trained by Israel through federal mandate. The police are being trained to kill first and ask questions later. Now, it may sound crazy to somebody, but if you look at the numbers, I don't think it sounds too crazy to me. If you look at the evidence, I'm done. I know the evidence is there. <laughs> you know, that's one thing I'll say. Anybody can argue against because the evidence is there. You, you see it all the time. Um, but uh, let's get back to the to the ranch. So, okay, so this is how it started. Apparently, they were burning the brush. You know, because farmers, that's what they do. They burn, you know, brush to keep. Um, um, Bugs and stuff away from eating the livestock and you know things like that. And apparently the the fire supposedly um, burned some federal land. However, that the that they they the ranchers the Hammonds were leasing. You know, of course, the federal government came in and said, "Well, you burn our land, you got to go to do some time." So these guys went and did time. Then they were released. Now. The judge, now this is the craziest part of this case. The judge decides they didn't do enough time, so now they got to go back and do another four years. Now, if that is not as suspicious as all outdoors, I don't know what else is. <laughs> you know, how are you going to release someone to say, wait a minute, you ain't doing enough time, let's go back. And by the way, you were right, because they did um, prosecute them under some terrorism act, domestic terrorism act. You know, the well, all the enabling laws that Hitler passed was legal. Everything Hitler did was legal. Everything they're doing, they've been doing it, but now they've made it legal. So that's what it is. And as far as the federal land is concerned, you've seen the, the federal, uh, the, uh, the, what is it, the um, Bureau of Land Management went out there trying to take uh, Bundy's land away. It's not that he owned that land. He has use rights before mm-hmm. there was even a in this country, okay? So what they're doing is changing the rules in the middle of the game, just like you see them changing the rules on federal mandates for all of us to take vaccinations. Okay, these are these are crazy people that we're dealing with here. How are you going to make a law that tells me what i got to put in my bloodstream? So it's the same thing they're doing with the land. So just because they that's their story of what happened out there. There's another story, but you're not going to hear it on the news, and you ain't going to read it on any of the uh, – uh, uh, you know, main websites or whatever. That's their story. They always got a cover story. And remember, they changed the laws in 2014 to be able to propagandize the American people, which was against the law after World War II. And because they have said this is wartime, they allow themselves to 
propagandize the American people, and that's why they're coming down on anybody that says anything against the government, because that's what they do. And then they enforce sedition laws, and they throw people in jail who say, you're a bunch of damn crooks up there in D.C., and you need to be in jail, and some of y'all need to be swinging from trees. Mm. Wow. Yeah, after they got away with uh, all of that horrible... Uh, 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 what did they do? Torture them people in Guantanamo Bay? It's shameful. It's shameful what these people are getting away with. They're above the law. The law don't apply to them. It only applies to us. Now, if you got some starving kids in your house and you go steal a loaf of bread, you're, you might get 10 years for that. And if you don't feed them, you'll still get 10 years because then they'll get you for neglect. Now, what, you, what are we going to do here? Hmm. Wow. And, and you know what? And, and listening to what you just said, here's, the, here's the, um, one of the the headlines, Oregon Sheriff says refuge occupiers trying to overthrow government. <laughs> That's well, a man, that's a story. They ain't trying to, yeah. They're trying to restore government. They're trying to restore <laughs> some semblance of, 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 uh, of, of sanity around here because it certainly looks insane to me with all these crisis actors, all these false flags they do in uh, uh, San Bernardino and uh, all over the place. You know, it don't take long for the facts to come out that they, uh, these people, these crisis actors, they got all on television. It's all staged. It's part of the propaganda program, you know. And, and the people that don't check in to see what's going on that probably don't have time, they're struggling so bad, they're trying to work. And, you know, people that work at Walmart, wages are so low, they qualify for food stamps. So, you know, when people are at the survival level, they just don't have time to look into these things. So, as you know, uh, but that's their story. That's their cover story. That's propaganda. Uh, hey, I'm not arguing with you. <laughs> that's I'm why sorry I'm, if it sounds like Arguing. I'm sorry, it's my voice. No, 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 I'm not saying you're arguing. I'm just saying I'm not arguing with you. Um, you know, that's why I read the um, the headline because of the way it is stated. You know, now if you don't know anything about going, you know what's going on, or if you don't know, you know what went on with the Bundys, you you just read this and be like, oh Lord, some old nuts out there. You know, you know they don't know what they're doing, but I. I, I agree with you. I, I'm, I'm with them 100%. You know, because well, it I, has to stop. It has to stop. I got an email from a man named Larry B. Craft. He's an attorney. He sent me, he said, this is a better, he saw me post something on Yahoo about the Bundy situation up in Oregon. So he sent me, he said, this is a more accurate um, uh, a list of the the uh, he said it's a good summary of the events leading to the Hammond case. I'm getting ready to forward that to you right now. Okay, all right. Um, let's see. Here's some more of the, that headline. We'll say it. A group of armed activists who have seized control of part of a federal wildlife refuge in southern Oregon appear to be aiming to overthrow the county and federal government. A local law enforcement official said Sunday. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure he did because they said they're prepared to kill. They're not playing. They didn't took over uh, some kind of agency out there in a wildlife uh, reserve. They said they're prepared to kill. So that's civil war, started the civil war. I've been saying it for 10 years. It's going to be a civil war here. But they didn't leave nobody no choice. But everybody that stands up against them is going to be branded a terrorist. And, um, you know, if you... You know, they even have something called paper terrorists. If you file certain things in court, they can get you under the NDAA, thanks to Mr. Obama, uh, the national, uh, what is it, 
Eric, the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act. In other words, whatever we say, if you say anything we don't like, well, we'll just throw you in the gulag. They Look, they don't have these FEMA camps all over the place for nothing. People better wake up. They're, they're real. Even congressmen have confirmed that these places exist. Alaska's mm. the largest and they got one in Atlanta, Georgia. They got them all around. And then they got a, in uh, Southside Chicago. They got a four-story building where already seven thousand people have been snatched up without any warrants or uh, or uh, ability to get a lawyer. And one of them came up dead in their uh, possession. So this is what they do when they're taking over and looting a, a so-called country. They start disappearing people. It's in history. They did it in Cuba. They, they they've done it in San Salvador. They did it in uh, down there in uh, where Panama. That's what they do. Your mouth runs too much. They snatch you off the street and then uh, and torture you and, and, and you know and maybe kill you or whatever. That's what happens when they're uh, uh, at the end of uh, taking down a civilization. That's where we are, folks. Okay, that's where we are. That's where we are. Normal, but everything ain't normal. Okay, so. <laughs> wow, you know. Um, let's see. Some more of this story. Pro- protesters at the Burns rally came from far away. Idaho, Nevada, and Arizona is about this community being trampled on. One of the organizers said, "Who do? Um, what else? This is the public saying we're not going to take it anymore. We've had it." The people of the republic are tired, and it starts right here in this parking lot, <laughs> which we know has moved from the parking lot to the re- the reserve. You know, and and the building and the building they took over. Um, it was interesting because they was asked, "Why did you take over this building right here?" He said, "Because it belonged to the people." <laughs> That's right, because the federal government is not supposed to own land except the places where they have federal, like for instance, the the, the you know buildings where they have to house, like for the military, for ammunitions and stuff like that. They are under the Constitution. They are not supposed to own large tracts of land, but they're trying to take the land back, okay, for looting. Yeah. That's why they yeah. were buying up, advertising the water rights and all that kind of stuff. That's why they're fracking. Okay, because they're buying up this land and moving people off the land, and then they can go frack and cause uh, earthquakes Earthquakes. that hurt people, and they have no responsibility. Yep, earthquakes. (laughs) Yep. You are absolutely correct. You are absolutely correct. And it's a reason why they want that land, trust me. And you're right for, you know, for fracking and, you know, uh, and I'm sure – it's a, probably some water running somewhere around there they want to get their hands on also. Yeah, um, and that, that what you call it out in California, that uh, where the water uh, drought in California, that's heart-related. Uh-huh. That's to pe- take people off the land also. They've done this before. This is not new. They, they don't change their M.O. It's all people got to do is look up history, and they will see this. I know it sounds crazy, some of the things you hear come out of some people's mouth, including mine. But if you look at history, then it ain't so crazy because you say, oh, shoot, they did this back in the 20s. They hmm. did the same thing. You know, they made uh, – look, look look how they did alcohol prohibition. Then all of a sudden they made it legal. Now they, they made uh, – a cannabis illegal now all of a sudden it's gonna be legal. Well what's up with that? <laughs> no, don't get me started with that. Don't get me started with that. See, I talked You know, I'm not trying to change the subject, I'm trying to show the parallels here, how right. they do things. Right. Yeah. Right. right. It's it's uh, a history. History 
if you know history, then you can understand what's going on in the environment, and you just you won't be shocked. You just say, "Oh, I see the game that's being played on us." <laughs> oh Lord, have mercy! See the game that's being played. Mm-hmm. Mm. So let's see. This is going on out there in Oregon. Okay, so. Well, my question is, is there a chance for others to pick up the mantle and, and, and follow suit of what these individuals are doing? Oh, they've you. been... Huh? Go ahead. They've been preparing for 10 years for this. You kidding me? You watch and see. I'm telling you. Look, you know I've been saying it to you, okay? Mm-hmm. Right. They ain't going out like that, okay? <laughs> okay. Yep. Mm. Yep. And you know what? It started regionally. It'll start regionally. It ain't going to jump off all at one time. And then you're a soldier, so you know you know more about it than I do. But it's, it'll be a regional areas where there'll be fights, you know, and sometimes they'll lose and sometimes they'll win. And then another one will pop up over here. I mean, you're a warrior, so you know how war goes, right? Yes, I do. It goes with strategy and tactics. Yeah. Right. And then it heats up, and then it might settle down, and then another one might pop up somewhere, and either whoever, you know, whoever's side gets completely exhausted, somebody going to win, somebody going to lose. But, you know, it's going to go on for decades, okay? Mm-hmm. It's just the start. You know, and, and, you know, if you read some of the articles, it's interesting that the wording in them, occupation, um, what, uh, patriots, um Domestic terrorism, you know, and I'm like, you know, trying to protect your own land, that's domestic terrorism? Really? Well, remember, George Orwell explained that to us in Brave New World and uh, the other guy in 1984. That's called, what, doublespeak or newspeak? Mm-hmm. They take Double. language that was designed to be able to befuddle your mind. And they use words the way they want to use them. And so if you're not thinking or questioning, at least questioning, you know, thinking is not an easy job to do these days. But at least question. Ask some questions like, well, wait a minute. You see? But most people just sit in front of the TV and whatever they see come off the talking head's mouth is reading it off of AT. Then they believe it. They think that's the, that's the truth. But it's not the truth. <laughs> it's bald-faced lies most of the time. 95%. You can't lie 100% because then nobody won't listen to you. <laughs> well, if you learn how to double speak well enough, they'll listen. <laughs> but anyway, um, let's see. Um, there's this guy, Blaine Cooper, you know, and um, he's one of the the individuals out there. And um, he equates the Bureau of Land Management to bullies at school that used to beat one up and who eventually had to be put in their place. He said, until that line is drawn and say we've had enough of this tyranny, you are going to leave us alone. It will not change. Um, It doesn't have to stop here. This could be a hope that spreads through the whole country, the whole United States. Everybody's looking for this hope because the government has beat us and oppressed us and took everything from us. They will not stop until we tell them no. And that's, that's right. 
That's <laughs> right. Now, who was that that wrote the book? That uh, it was one of our great people that said the measure of how much uh, tyranny will be put on you, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, is the amount that you take. Who was that said? If you go in the back door, you know what I'm talking about. I heard the saying. I can't remember who said it. Yeah, you know, so, you know, and, and Dr. Martin Luther King said, ain't, can't nobody ride your back unless it's bent. <laughs> okay? <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. Yeah. So. Mm-mm-mm. So, okay. So, here we go. You know, it's just here we a repeat go. of history. So, so, it has to be gun. It has to yep, be gun. You know, but when yep. when that when when I I started reading this, I, I thought about um, nineteen ninety two, I think it was ninety two or ninety three, mm-hmm. the Branch Davidian thing. I'm glad you brought that up because that was right in my mind. And remember uh, those other people out there where they shot that man's wife. What was that, Ruby Ridge? Yeah, Ruby Ridge. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And like I told you, that Dravidian Ranch was right smack dab in the middle of the TT135 highway that they wanted to run uh, for the North American Union from uh, Mexico all the way up to Canada. If you look on a map, you can see it. It was right smack dab in the middle of that trans whatever Highway 135 that they was trying to run up through there, but the Texans stopped them. I don't know what it status is right now, but at one time they put a hold on that. They said it started in Texas and we're going to stop it in Texas. Don't mess with Texas, (laughs) y'all! Okay. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They did put a stop to that. Like you say, we want the land. And you know what? And The reason why, because the the government wanted to do a lot of, uh, what is it, eminent domain? Yeah. they just taking land under the eminent domain, and yeah. those guys got together and said, no, you're not, that's not happening. That and they were not- even going to split up states to do that and take yeah. out roads, go to little towns, and just kill off little towns. Listen, Michael then told us they don't care about us, okay? He said, he said it, didn't he? He said yeah. it. He said it. You know. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I'm looking at this. I'm saying, wow, that, that's some good stuff. You know, that they're actually coming together, taking a stand, and say, okay, enough is enough. Uh, let's stop this now. And another thing I want to say too about these people yeah. that don't understand what the Second Amendment is for. Okay, it's not for violent people. It's to have the right to protect yourself, and it don't have anything about hunting. The Constitution says that the people have a right to own arms equivalent to that what the government has. How are you gonna fight a tyranny when they got uh, the kind of weapons that you know? Uh, I don't know the names of them, Eric. You you know the new names of the the guns and stuff like that. You know what I'm talking about. AR-15 or 17, probably old style. What name some guns that you know that the military has now that's real powerful, please? M4s. Um, let's see what they got. The M4s, M16s. I think the M4s mm-hmm. is the newest one, though. The M4s the newest. Okay, and then then they, and then they want to try to give the people the impression that well, you don't need no gun. You know, you, all you need is a a rifle, two shot, buckshot. No, 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 no. The reason for the Second Amendment is to do what the people out there in Oregon is doing right now: to stand up against the tyrannical government to say no, we're not having it. And I tell you something: if our ancestors had been armed, maybe we, we wouldn't. Have been enslaved for 450 years, and we still are in slavery. It's just a different kind now. 
I, I, <laughs> thank you for bringing that up. Thank you for bringing that up. Because I say, okay, if this is an example of how to do it, what's taking us so long to, 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 to get up from under um, the tyranny that we're facing? We've been beat down pretty bad, Eric. I mean, you know, remember, we couldn't read and write for 250 years. That was against the law and at the threat of death for anybody that teach, taught us, okay, remember? They were branded uh-huh. as terrorists back there if they wanted to teach you how to read and write. And then they tell you to catch up. Oh, stop whining about slavery. You know, we didn't give you all your old cheese and your Section 8 housing, so you ought to be satisfied with that. Be quiet, please. You know, never mind that we put, you put us 250, 300 years behind everybody else. Now you expect us to act like we got PhDs, all of us? Really? <laughs> okay. So, but if you take a look at this example, and this is the second time they then stood off with the, the with federal government about some land like that. Okay. But they so, eat better than we do. You know that, right? They don't eat the same food we do. Are you kidding me? You know, look how many people that got on the dole from the federal government. You think that cheese is any good for these people? Look, if your body is not working right, your mind is not working right. So what you put in your body is what you're going to get out through your mind. Your mind ain't going to function right if you are not healthy. Mm. So that's the answer to your problem. You, 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 people are, are, are just barely making it because we're being poisoned with fluoride in the water for over 40 years. They know that drops IQs 15 points. Scientists say that, not me. That's uh, scientific, okay? Wow. They got fluoride in the children's toothpaste. It says right on the toothpaste, Don't if you swallow it, contact the poison uh, people right away if a child swallows it. What does that tell you? Hmm. Hey, we're not eating good quality food. They don't eat the same wheat as we do. They, 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 they eat higher up on the hog. Didn't they eat higher up on the hog than our ancestors did too back then? Yeah, they did. They're still eating higher up on the hog, okay? But that's coming down now because, see, they're in the same problem we're in. They gave them a little lift up back there in the Western times and made them feel like they was better than us, made them forget where they came from. Because if you want to be correct, they were the first slaves over here. They were the first ones to come over here that was used as slaves. We weren't the first slaves. They were, okay? And then they gave them a little lift up, and they got to be the sheriffs and, you know, run their little saloons and all that and had their little... Uh, what do you call them places? Parlors where the women do their thing and all that stuff? Yeah. Billards. Okay. Billards. In the days, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh huh. And then they gave them a lift up, see, to create a buffer between those there up on the hill and those down at the bottom. They always have a buffer. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. But the buffer's coming down now. So the buffer is going to have a hard time because they've been used to their privilege. And it's, they're going to just have a hard time and see what's going to happen is a lot of them is going to blame all the problems of this society on us. That's what they do. And then we become cannon fodder. They have a way of having selective memory about their history. They, mm-hmm. they just conveniently forget. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then they want to take it all out on us, talking about the reason why the economy failed was because of black people buying houses they couldn't afford like they – put a gun on the banker and made them let them fill out the application. How about it? <laughs> wow. How about it? Uh, uh, uh. Speaking of housing, I saw the big short. I'm going to go. I missed the first uh, 10 minutes, but it was phenomenal. I'm going to go see it again. Um, and it's about the housing crisis of 2007 and how it was total manipulation. 
And at the end of the day, the bankers knew that we were going to bail them out. So they really didn't care. The taxpayers. And how millions of people lost their homes. And he gave some statistics and, you know, unemployment. You know, the results, the deaths that resulted from the housing uh, crisis. It was quite interesting film. Some people became so wealthy because they saw it coming. They saw it coming, and other people didn't. They didn't create it, but they were able to figure out what the game was, and they were able to benefit financially. Hmm. And don't forget how the farmers lost their land after uh, the Civil War. Was it after the Civil War? Am I getting the time frame wrong? Uh, They didn't have no land during the Civil War. They uh, got land after, and then they lost it. uh, Remember all the farmers? They were supposed to be getting a law. They had a lawsuit. How how the black farmers lost all their land, and they still, I understand, have not been uh, compensated for the. The, the loss of land and look at all the land they flooded down there in Mississippi uh, after they uh, remember the the floods in Mississippi a couple of years ago. Do you know within weeks the companies was down there offering to buy up that land? Huh? They said that the uh, the, the 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 what do you call them things that they break the levees was break broken uh, purposely. Mm. Wow! Really? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, just like they did when Katrina came through. Those levees, they said the engineers, uh, the the Corps of Engineers, Army Corps of Engineers, and there was a documentary on YouTube showing that that happened about 50 years prior to that. It was a very good documentary showing that they had two choices, save the white neighborhoods or save the poor black neighborhoods. Now, which one do you think they picked? They saved the black neighborhoods. They needed the labor power. (laughs) And again? Uh, I was say I was being funny. I said they saved the black neighborhood because they needed the labor. No, they didn't. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Hold on, we got. So in other to... words, this is cycles. It's just it happens over and over and over again. But the young yeah. people, you know, they don't know the history, so they don't understand when these things are happening. They don't see the patterns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now I... they're being taught, you know, to to. to to have gender wars and I'm sorry, generation wars along with the gender wars. So they don't want to hear nothing the old folks got to say, you know. Oh well, now, you know my mother always told me make you, you make you, uh, 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 what a, a hard head. You uh, what's it? How does that go? Hard head make a soft ass. <laughs> yeah, and if you make the bed hard, lay in it. Mm-hmm. Let's see. In the early 1990s, the Hammonds, who the battle of this land is over, um, filed on a livestock water source and obtained a deed for the water right from the state of Oregon. When the Bureau of Land Management and U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service found out that the Hammonds obtained new water rights near the Marla Wildlife Refuge, they were agitated and became belligerent and vindictive towards the Hammonds. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service challenged the Hammonds' right to the water in the Oregon State Circuit Court. The court found that the Hammonds legally obtained rights to the water in accordance to state law, and therefore the use of the water belongs to the Hammonds. So that was in 1990. So, yeah, this has been going on for a minute. And like you say, mm-hmm. they, they, find, 
You know, they got to find a way to get it, one way or another. Sound like that man Santo crap that be going on. But hold on, we got mm-hmm. somebody come in and see who we got oh. here. Thank All you. Right. Q, Triple One, welcome to the show. Who do I have here? Triple hey, One. Hello. Hello. Hey, hello there. This is Johnson. Okay. Welcome to the show, John. What do you have for me? Hey, hello there. I just want to say a couple of niggas. Okay. <sighs> yeah, yeah, yeah. See? Ignorance. <laughs> it's abound. <laughs> it's abound. That wasn't an ignorant person. That's probably somebody being paid by a corporation to do just that. They pay trolls to come on shows that are trying to talk about things that are happening in the environment to misdirect, poison the well. They're being paid to do that. Yeah. By corporations, by the, by the tens of thousands, they got them out there. They don't have no trouble finding somebody to do that because there's a lot of unemployed people desperate out there that will be glad to do it. I'm done. <laughs> I know. I, I, I know, my sister. I know. Uh, trust me, I know who you know what is what's being done. Uh, just whatever, <laughs> whatever. Okay, so let's try this. All right, hello, hello. Hey, hello, hello. Okay. Uh huh. Hello. Yeah, hello there. Yes. Who do I have Tommy? Here? Tommy. Tommy. Welcome to the show, Tommy. What do you have for me? Well, I just wanted to talk about, you know, the... <laughs> okay. Thank you, Tommy, for the for that. All right. We, we got that going on today. Okay. Well, you know what? <laughs> My show must be getting popular because they show coming all of a sudden. Huh? But anyway, let's get back to what we were talking about. All right. Um... If you have a, a, a unknown number for the rest of the show, don't look for it to be answered. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Um, you know, and, and reading the, the email that you just sent me, you know, this is just wow. You know, but but we have we must admit we know we do know that um, they come at you in waves. They come at you in ways, one way or another. They 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 gonna come at you in ways, and I'm talking the government, you know, Mr. Smith as I call them. You know, they gonna come at you in ways. If they can't get you one way, they gonna try and figure out something else. If if they got to slowly uh, uh, nitpick you, you know, take a piece here, take a piece there, till they can get what they want. That's what they are gonna do. And, and this is a, a pure case of it out there in Oregon, you know. Sister Ingrid, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, okay. And, okay. And, and and remind your listeners that these Bureau of Land Management and all these agencies are private for profit corporations traded. You can go look them up on Dunn and Bradstreet. You will see them there listed as doing business as, including U.S. Inc. Mm, okay? U.S. Inc. Yeah. And you Go back and read James Trafficking speech. It's in the congressional record, and it documents everything that's going on right now, all the way down to the fact that the United States was 
found bankrupt, insolvent, dissolved, and exist today in name only. All agencies and agents now operating in the de facto status are private corporations, and it goes on from there. So that explains everything that's going on. Mm. Now, now, Miss Lady, yeah, I got a bone to pick with her, but it'll take you off your subject. So go ahead. No, she she um, dropped. We lost her call. Um, June twenty okay. second, two thousand twelve. Dwight and Stephen were, and Mister Hammonds, who landed, um, we're talking about, were found guilty of starting both the two thousand one and two thousand six fires by the jury. However, the federal courts convicted them both as terrorists under the nineteen ninety six Anti Terrorism Act. Judge Hogan sentenced Dwight, the father, to three months in prison, and, and Stephen, the son, to 12 months in federal prison. They were also stipulated to pay $400,000 to the BLM. See, now they want their money. Hogan overruling the minimum terrorist sentence, commenting that if the full five years were required, it would be a violation of the Eighth Amendment, cruel and unusual punishment. The day of the sentencing, Judge Hogan retired as a federal judge. In his honor, the staff served chocolate cake in the courtroom. What, what that? Now, 2013, Dwight and Stephen reported to prison. They fulfilled their sentences. Um, Dwight did three months, Stephen 12 months, and they were released March 2013 and January 2014. So now we bring it all the way here. They served their time. But did you notice something that was said that was interesting? After this judge sentenced them, he retired. Don't you think that's kind of interesting? So now, all of a sudden, as an appellate judge comes back and says, no, y'all didn't do enough time. So Well, he, he, he probably huh? retired because he was probably threatened. You know, he didn't want to end up like Judge May. Remember him in Arizona? Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Judges that try to go by the Constitution, which they swore oath to, uh, they end up getting hurt or threatened or blackmailed or you know something. Yeah. Well, yeah, you right. Threatened is is a good word for it. Threatened. And, and you know yeah. the other thing is, you know, then all of a sudden you come back a little over a year later. And all of a sudden, no, you got to do four more years. Each of you got to do four more years. Well, let's take a look at that. Four more years, that means there's nobody out there to watch over your land. Or we can just come take it for real now because there's nobody yeah. there. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you ever heard of Dean Clifford out of Canada. He served 16 months in jail without a trial. How about that? I told you, they no trial. Do you hear me? None. No trial. 16 months. <laughs> Wow. Dean, look him up, y'all. And he didn't commit no crime except driving without a driver's license. He said, I'm a free man and I don't have to get none of your licenses. He works for himself. He runs a construction company. He said, I'm not a part of your crap. I'm, I don't want nothing to do with it. He was He's a free man, and he was living like a free man. He wasn't hurting anybody else, but they threw him in prison for 16 months without a trial. That's what he did. That's what you did. Mm-hmm. Well... So at least these folks you're reading about had a trial. How about that? Even though it was a, uh, what you call them, a star chamber one. I told yeah. you about them gold fringes on them flags in these courtrooms. Those are military tribunals, and I done said it over and over on your show. The Libra Code is right out there for anybody to see. We've been under occupation since 1863. 
We've been under military occupation since 1863, okay? Now, that's mm. just what it is. Now they didn't step it up and put it in our face. But it's always been that way. We've been under military occupation, okay? Yeah. And the proof yeah. of that is all across the land, they done delivered the tanks, and they got the police, the cops, looking like SS troops. <laughs> Beating Man, women down in the street, bloody. Oh, you know. Yeah, that's not good. Not good at and all. Doing cavity searches on the street and taking people's blood on the street. Now, look, people, it's time for us to wake up. That's what I say. <laughs> Woo. Well, you know what? Let's be honest. If you can't take a look at what's going on in, in just in this country alone and not think something is going on and you wake up, then you in the, you're living in the dark ages anyway. You really are. That's right. And there's one more thing I want to say, that when you were reading that list of statistics, there was uh-huh. one statistic which you had added to the list in comparison, juxtapose how much money they spending on armory, warmongering, build, you know, you see what I'm saying, how much they spending right. on all these, what, 140 military bases they got around the world with swimming pools and golf courses, huh, mm. and every other country of the world. They've been occupying mm. Japan for over 100 years. Right. Wow, we starving. <laughs> but that's what they do when 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 they're taking over. When an empire is trying to uh, uh, run the world, is they feed off of their people inside in order to feed the machine outside. Hmm. That's wow. what Rome did. Yeah, you're they, right. Yep, they sure did. They these sure folks did. think that this is the continuation of the Roman Empire. And let me tell you something else, folks. Uh, the Nazis didn't lose the war. They brought them over here under paperclip. They, their sons and grandsons is now in the bio weapons labs and in the defense contractors' employment, and they're running the show. It's Nazi time, y'all. Oh, this is the Fourth Reich. Mm, well, uh-huh. All right. Well, y'all heard it here first. Y'all, you got the, the, you know what's going on in Oregon now. How's the how this is it, <laughs> some say this is the the end no, this is just the beginning of that's a long right. battle that's been going on for a while. Going on for a while. Now, before I you know, we got about a little bit of time left. Um we may be going over time. So if you're in the chat room or just listening, three four seven eight three eight eight six two two. I think we're gonna go into overtime for a little bit. Um you know, there was an editorial, and I said I wasn't going to say nothing about it anymore, but I couldn't help it because there was an editorial in my local paper today, and it says, Bill Cosby fall from icon to criminal suspect hard to watch. Now, it goes on to, you know, um, uh, give little things. But the interesting part I found was nobody signed the editorial, number one. But um, at the end of it, it says, whatever the outcome of the legal case, another another verdict, the one about Cosby's legacy has already been rendered. It is ir- irretrievably gone. The inspiring messages embodied in his career about the importance of family, self-reliance, and understanding among the races has been dirtied. <laughs> and those Very- those who have been hurt, most hurt, including the women he allegedly abused, are the people who once looked up to him. For that, Cosby must bear the guilt. Hmm. Yeah. Well, 
in my view, in my view, it's really not about Bill Cosby. It, it, it's it's really about black people. Because let's think about what they did to the so-called Jews in Nazi Germany before they got ready to slaughter them. Mm. So mm-hmm. he's an icon that symbolizes mm-hmm. what they're mm-hmm. planning to do. Mm-hmm. Okay? Right. To me, right. it's symbolism. It's symbolism. He, they're using him as a symbol so they can sully in the people's minds out here. So just like they're going to sully them people up there in Oregon, so when they try to slaughter them, the people will say, oh, well, they were bad people anyway. Yeah. And that's so why I read, any- Yeah, that's why I read these last two sentences on here, because that's exactly what it's saying right here. That's, that's exactly what it's saying. If you read in between the lines, that's what it's saying. But let me tell you, you know, you know, this, this um, young lady who, uh, what's her name? Um, Andrea... Constant. Now, you know, I told you I was going to go and read some of the deposition and, and all that, you know, which you can find online, you know, and, you know, her statements to the police and stuff like this. Now, this is so. Oh, okay, I'm going to give you the case and let you figure it out. Now, if you go over to someone's house and they say, and you say you're tired, so they say, here, take these pills. You know, um, if you don't feel comfortable, why take him, right? Now, then you say, well, he, I felt him feeling on my breast, and he put his fingers in my vagina and so forth and so on. Okay. This is the first visit to the house now. This is the first visit to the house. If you are so upset, you are so upset. Why would you go back two or three times talking about I looked at him as a mentor? I, I, that, that makes no sense. <laughs> you know, that makes no sense, whatever. I don't even see how this even got – because it's not logical. No, because it's a smear campaign, and the reason for the smear campaign, you can understand it if you go read Martha Rose Crow, May Her Soul Rest in Peace – America's Darkest Secret, and if you recall, Eric, about two years ago, we did a show on your show about America's Darkest Secret. It details how they attack poor people and how they deal with unwanted populations, just like they're over there right now slaughtering the Kurds. It's the same thing. Oh, yes, you are so right. You are so right. I'm glad you see. That's why I love you, because you you bring my memory back. (laughs) That is so true. Hold on. Let's get Renee into the conversation. Hello, Renee. How are you? Hello. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for asking. And happy belated birthday. Mr. Rangoni and peace to Mr. Talk. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, happy birthday to you, Renee, and greetings. Thank you. Thank you, sis. Thank you so much. Um, greetings. Um, yeah, I just heard, like, the last couple minutes of what y'all were saying, um, but still about the Bill Cosby thing. I mean, yeah, um, I agree 100%. It's not really about him. You know, it's about so many other things. Um, one, it is a distraction from us to look at other things that are going on. Um, aside from it being a distraction, it's just basically, um, you know, another way to railroad 
black people, specifically black men. Um, it's another way to um, basically, you know, just negatively propagandize us. Like, look, look at even the ones we think are supposed to be all this and that are supposed to set a standard. Even them black people are no good. You know, look at what he did. So, I mean, it, it, it all works together. Um, you have Dr. Francis Cresswell-Singh, um, who recently passed, um, and I consider her uh, one of my master teachers. Um, you know, she's being slandered now. You know, it's like anyone that we have um, that has mm, meant something to black people in one way or the other, even though Bill Cosby, excuse, excuse my French, is a coon, um, and, and he's been in, the, in a pocket for a long time. But still, you know, he, he was a presence that people held kind of on a pedestal. And um, they love to try to destroy any heroes that we have, any icons that we have. They want to tarnish the image. And this is just another part of that. And like I said, I'm sticking with the, the notion, the idea that in some way, form, or fashion, he stepped on the toes of, of white supremacy. He stepped on the toe somewhere. He did something. And they had to let him know, let's put you back in your place now. So, okay. Yeah. Now, see, you know when he stepped on the toes? When he kept trying to buy NBC. Exactly. <laughs> he stole some toes. Yeah. So, but you know. And also, don't forget to put him, his behavior in the context of the time, the era in which he was doing those things. Right, right. Exactly. And this is what I know. He said he got the women the drugs that they wanted to take. And then, like you was just saying, um, uh, Mr. Talk, who does that? What woman goes to this elderly man's house that's married? His wife ain't there. He by himself. This is your mentor. Y'all drinking or whatever. He he offers you pills and you take them. You was out of it, but you remember him fondling your breast. And you go back yeah. again, or you and come you around him again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> you know, and but that's I, that I, whole that, feminist bull too. You yeah. Know? Yeah, and and uh, I, I go back to what Sister Goni just said. I think I said this Friday. You know, I think what we have here is. Um, Today's ultra-sensitive, politically correct society trying to impose today's standards on uh, a period to where quaaludes were the things that most young people were taking. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and trust me, I I, I got to say, that stuff was, uh, it had to be consensual. I just, you know, I can see. I can't see nobody continue to take a drink from somebody who had this great reputation. You know, how, how are you going to keep taking drinks and, and pills from somebody like that? I, I'm not understanding this. No. Yeah. Makes no sense. None whatsoever. You know, so I don't know. But And don't really, forget the Mandingo syndrome. Been going on oh, all yeah. the time now, y'all. Yeah, that's true, too. And it's... <laughs> That is true. That is so true. Maybe wow. she went back. You know what they say. Once you go black, you can't go back. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But, but exactly. see, the, uh, there's a there's a backstory to it, too, because after the first time, uh, 
they called Mr. Cosby to ask him what he gave her. He said, well, I gave him some, you know, I gave him some pills, which later he said was Benadryl. Um, and the mom was trying to talk, get um, Cosby to admit to what he had given her, but she was trying to record the conversation. You know, <laughs> I was like, okay, so this this guy is written all over it, you know? I'm like, wow. Yeah. That was a setup from point A to point B. And there was an, a woman who came out as well who said that she was, um, you know, someone offered her $15,000 to set up uh, Bill Cosby. And she said that she came out, she gave a lot of detail that she came out that she wouldn't do it. She says because she sees they're trying to tarnish him as a black man. And um, it's on this site called Free Your Mind. And so she um, was a model with some agency in, in New mm-hmm. York or whatever the case was. And, and she came out, I don't know um, if it, you know, if it's sure or not. But, and then I was also hearing that um, for some of these dates or whatever, that he supposedly wasn't even in that city. Hmm. So, yeah, I guess we'll yeah. see. But. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. You know, the bad part is they done drug um, Camille into it now, so. Yeah. Yeah. That's sad. Anyway, but, all right, Joe. Yeah. Go, go ahead. You were going to say something? No, I was just going to say, you know, they, you know, <laughs> it's, I'm not defending Bill Cosby or any, in any way, shape, form, or fashion. I just realize it for what it is. And, um, you know, I know a lot of people in the black community are upset, you know, at things that he said um, before, um, you know, in recent years about, you know, black folk and things of that nature. But at the end of the day, this still sets a precedent that affects our community, whether people are for him or against him or whatever, because they just use that to further criminalize black men. That's all they do, especially with these big cases like this. And, you know, one of the ways that um, white supremacy is really able to work really, really well is the fact that they, you know, of course, run and and own the media and all of that. So they never have to actually prove if something is true or false. Just with the power of the media of putting the story out there and putting the speculation out there, with that – you already have him looked at as guilty in the, in the court of public opinion for the most part. So you have the the one chick who does the show, Girls or whatever, the white heifer. She's supposed to be a woman. I don't know. She don't want to use, you know, whatever the pronouns or whatever. Um, she's a feminine. All of this old crazy stuff. And she um, actually had molested her sister. Now this heifer put up a, a, a tweet talking about if there's a hell she hopes Bill Cosby goes there. Mm. Mm. I wow. mean, this man ain't been tried or, I mean, he ain't been convicted of nothing. Of nothing. Yeah. He's not been convicted. What are you talking but about? But, but Renee, don't you think those kind of things are once again there to vilify the black people in general? That's right. They're just using Bill Cosby's image, and like you said, now they're starting to. I noticed racist type uh, uh, articles starting to come out by, from Dr. Francis Cress Welsing also. Yes. So if this is about defaming it or putting in the minds of the general population 
negativity about black people in general, like you Absolutely. said before. Mm. Yep. Right. Nail on the head. Mm. No, they, but they always do that, that. make a move on somebody they want to take out. They always do that. Oh, mm. yeah, they do. You know, and, 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 and Renee, I don't know if you heard me say it or not, but there's an excellent um, article written by uh, Martha Rose Crow called America's Darkest Secret, and she chronicles step-by-step hmm. step how they target populations of people unwanted. It's oh, called America's that. Darkest Secret by Martha Rose Crow. It's long, but it's very well worth the time to read. Okay. I'm definitely going to check it out. Mm-hmm. America's Darkest Secret. Okay. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's what they do, and... We got to understand, too, that, you know, we are under depopulation orders and that, you know, a lot of us don't see, you know, the writing has been on the wall forever. But one of the things that I run into with discussing some of these things with other black people, um, some some black folk, you know, they say, oh, that's a conspiracy theory. Oh, that's a this and that. And as Dr. Amos Wilson said, whenever you hear uh, somebody say, oh, that's just a conspiracy it's already too late. It done already took place. It done already went down. So while we're we're sitting here thinking about some of these things as conspiracies, you know, typically where there's smoke, there's fire. And also there's so much documentation out there. If you just really look for it and if you just read and if you just are able to, to read between the lines as well, you see what's going on. And we don't understand that as, as black folk here, um, these people do not want or need us here anymore. The most benefit that we have to to maintaining a system of racism, white supremacy, and capitalism, excuse me, is being in the prison industrial complex because that leaves us in the same position that they started us off in, which is to be free and exploitable labor. So that's what you you know that's why you have the transition from the Thirteenth Amendment to today having mass incarceration because the exception in there is if you are duly under due process of law convicted of a crime. So then they help to facilitate an environment and a society where you are less likely to get hired for jobs, you are less likely to have certain education, you have less access to resources, and when you're in those certain conditions, then the crime is going to be more likely. The highest predictor or prerequisite for uh, um, crime is poverty. It's been shown many, many times. In the black community particularly, most of the crimes committed are for economic reasons, one way or the other. So it's like a whole, you know, maze going on that, that black folks don't want to realize that, you know, and if you go back to Germany and Hitler and all of that, they had to negatively propagandize the Jews. They had to they had to create make them into the monster. And that is what has happened with black people forever. And they're only turning it up. You know, people keep saying, Oh, we've made progress. Where? People keep saying, Oh, it's twenty fifteen and now this and where like what's different now? It's not any different. The only thing is the form in which it's done has changed. Because white supremacy is like a computer that gets more and more sophisticated 
and efficient and savvy over time. So now they have all of these things so interwoven and interlocked into the system that they can make it appear that, oh, we're not really racist, but that's because I already created the policies to be set up as such. So we we got to open our eyes. I agree. I agree. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't have to call you a nigga. You know, I don't want to say the word, but they don't have to call you an N. They don't have to um, go and cut. They don't have to do all of that stuff anymore because they already have it set up that's going to keep black people in a certain position anyway. There's always going to be, as my grandma would say, that rest her soul, as she would always say, they always let a few through. That's what she would always tell us. And they do that to make it appear, to have the appearance that, there is diversity, that everybody has an equal chance and opportunity in America. And we know that's a lie. And what happens, black people fall for it, and they look at TV. See, this is the problem, too, and then I'll be done. But they look at TV, and they see on TV black people on there who look like they have money. They see certain actors, or they see certain singers, or musicians, or sports players. See, But the issue with that is, that's such a small, tiny amount of people. Behind the scenes, though, the real money, the white people got, the ones who run the studios, the one that owns the teams, the ones that run and run everything, all of this, they got the money. They show you these little LeBron James and these people, and you, or even Oprah. Oprah is like a poor billionaire. Like, let's keep it real. To these people, I think she got $2 billion. These people got $50 billion, $80 billion, all of this kind of stuff. She was like a, a poor billionaire. And so after all of this time, we can count to look to one black woman as a billionaire, and we've made such progress. And the American system is, the whole system is predicated on on money. It's a capitalist system, and it's predicated on keeping black people as a permanent underclass. And when you look at the fact that in 1860, black people owned one-half of 1% one of the wealth in America. In 2015, black people owned one-half of 1% one of the wealth in America. Where is the progress? <laughs> wow. Sounds like she was listening to me earlier. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I was, remember I, kept, I told you about this book, The 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. Yes. You know. And uh, Law 42, strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. And it says, trouble can often be traced to a single strong individual, the stirrer, the arrogant underling, the poisoner of goodwill. If you allow such people to room to operate, others will succumb to their influence. Do not wait for the troubles they cause to multiply. Do not try to negotiate with them. They are irredeemable. Neutralize their influence by isolating and banishing them. Strike at the source of the trouble, and the sheep will scatter. That's law number forty-two. Wow. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> law number forty-two. Another thing we need to study too is Saul Alinsky's rules for radicals to see how they play with us through the politics. Hmm. <laughs> mm. Mm. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's all you can really say. It, it's really deep. Yeah, really, really deep. But see, they play in the game because they know the rules. They make the rules. Mm-hmm. And we, 
And see, the other thing is we won't read. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We won't read. Yeah, it's not like what they're doing is brand new. It's out there. It's out there. You know, they just, we just won't read. Or, what or, did you say that author of the 48 Laws of Power, what's the name, Green, somebody who? Robert Green. Thank Robert. you, sir. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we just won't read. <laughs> nope. It's just that simple. Not the right thing. Uh-uh. Or if somebody's trying to, you know, I'm not going to say influence, but put information out there that's, you know, uh, creditable, you tr- you know, try and kill that in a heartbeat. Oh, that's just a conspiracy. Oh, yeah. You don't know what you're talking about. Hey, it is what it is. <laughs> exactly. And that's why we where we are. We are where we are. All right. Yep. I got to get up out of here, y'all. But it's been fun. Uh, go ahead, Renee. Uh, you was last in, so I'll let you go on and get a good little <laughs> last word in. <laughs> okay. Well, this was a nice, you know, little chat. Um, yeah, black people, we just got to open our eyes. I hear a lot of this, um, oh, you're so racial. You're such a racialist. You know, everything is about race and with you and all of these sorts of things. But, I mean, let's, like, be real. That's what a lot of this is based on. Um, I'm not going to say every single thing, but much of um, our condition is based on racism. Uh, much of us um, not having a real knowledge of self and where we come from and what has happened is because of racism. It's because of racism, white supremacy, to keep those things from us, from being um, truly educated about ourselves. Um, it's really the system is based upon keeping black people a permanent underclass, the largest consumers, um, keeping us miseducated um, about who and what we are, um, keeping us divided, um, you know, keeping a lot of disharmony and disunity um, within within our um, community. So we've, we've got to understand, and the attacks are not just on a financial scale, like when I talk about the economics, the fact that, we're at a, like a 25-year low in the black community um, economically. Um, our unemployment rate is double that for the society at large. Um, but also we need to look and understand things like environmental racism, um, the fact that we're having all of these sorts of chemicals and things that are being found in predominantly black areas, in urban areas, um, the food you know, um, having food deserts in many black communities across this country where there is no real access to viable, you know, healthy food, uh, fresh food, um, lack of uh, supermarkets and grocery stores, and you get a lot of junk within the community. Um, because of that, there's there's less access to resources. So it's a lot of different issues. But we have to be we have to be honest. Race is a central issue. That's why you can have something happened like Tamir Rice, a 12-year-old boy, be gunned down within two seconds of the two to three seconds of the police pulling up, seeing him with a gun, a toy gun, in an open carry state. Like, that that's completely racial. Do you think if that was a little white boy that that would have happened? We know it wouldn't have happened. Um, that's the, the reason why you can have Laquan McDonald, a 17-year-old boy, who had been so abused and neglected by the system was a ward of the state. And he had a little knife in his hand. He's nowhere close to anyone, any officers. 
he he had a lot of mental health issues. He was on, um, I think they said PCP or a type of drug. And what do you have? You have a police officer. You don't have him being tased even. You don't have him even being uh, sprayed, pepper sprayed or any of that. But you have an officer come up, shot him. The first time he shot him, he already fell and put 15 more bullets into that boy. And we're supposed to say it's not racial. In the whole city of Chicago, the, the, the infrastructure hid the case. They buried the case. They didn't want it to be brought up. It's not racial. We better mm-hmm. open our eyes and see things for what they are. Thank you, Mr. Child. Thank you, Sister Angoni. You have a nice day, Renee. You too. Thank you too. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Renee. All right. <laughs> Go ahead, Sister Angoni. You know what? This is like old times right here. <laughs> Just me and you. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, I just want to say, great show as usual, and thank you so much for taking my call. <laughs> okay. I know you're in shock, ain't you? Huh? <laughs> I said, I know you're in shock, aren't you? Yeah, I am. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just leaving at that. <laughs> All right, thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. All right, y'all, another great show, I tell you. The only thing I'm going to say is read. Read, man. Read, 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 read. And you'll be up on what they're trying to do. All right? So, got to get up out of here. It's been fun. Um, thank you, Renee. Special hugs and kisses out to Sister Ngani. Yum, yum, yum. Um, thank uh, Miss Lady for her contribution as well. Hmm, it's, it's, it's been a very good show. All right? So, just remember, keep smiling. Show appreciation for giving with open heart, but make sure you've been giving yourself first. Um, and learn to laugh at yourself. You laugh at yourself, everything else is gravy. And thank you to the trolls, too. That's right. I'm thanking them, too. <laughs> oh, it gave me a laugh today. All right. We're going out of here with, um, let's see, what song I want to play today? Um, MLK Rap, Let Freedom Ring. I never heard this one. So I'll see y'all Friday, man. All right. Have a good one. So even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. Behold evidence that all men are created I have a dream in the sake nation of millions to hold this back brown versus poor open some doors back then they call all black Negroes we kick it off the top sort of like the separate it's an equal when they practice my school is a shack mine is a path do I have to sit in the back of the bus that's wackness second class citizen on account of my blackness they say they change the world you gotta take a stand Rosa Parks took a seat changed the face of the land Martin had a plan that even if you want to change the world that it mean you gotta kill another man inspired by the people like the Rora Gandhi I packed this in the war without an army cause they can't harm me no matter how the end seems I want that Mr. King is still having dreams freedom ring I have a dream Let freedom ring This must be true 
Christ acts a past modern day Jesus. Turning the other cheek, some blacks like dog, that's weak. I'm not looking to get beat deep in the next week. My everyday life is police brutality. I can pick up X and drop this slave name. Radical change, defense by any name. When the hearts to Mecca, to let God protect us. Whites and blacks, yeah, we in this together. They're a race riot. People are dying. Warfare, watch tear gas, bullets are flying. GFK, he got assassinated. MLK, he got assassinated. Malcolm X, he got assassinated. So it's up to us to keep that dream alive. 